Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for grace for 2020. We thank you for the opportunity to examine this whole topic of spiritual growth. And even as we bow our heads and hearts and humble ourselves before the word of God, our desire is that you will give us understanding, strengthen us, give us growth, and move us in the direction of becoming more and more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we begin a series of five sessions on spiritual growth, growing in Christ. And I want to use today to introduce the subject and then throughout February, each of the Wednesdays, we will take a look at two or three of the pillars that cause you to grow as a Christian. And then uh, summarize it the last Wednesday of February. So, essentially, we want to define spiritual growth. We want to find out why some Christians are growing and some are not growing. We want to look at why spiritual growth is important and the goal of spiritual growth. Uh, probably answered some of your questions. So, first of all, what is spiritual growth? The easiest and the best definition is becoming more and more like Jesus. That is the best definition of spiritual growth. The reason is obvious. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And it was because he wanted us to become like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says, Those whom God foreknew, he predestined that they should be conformed to the image of his son, 
so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Also, according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Beloved, see what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And his children we are. The world doesn't know us because it doesn't know our Father. We too do not know what we shall be like. But we know that when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. First John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know that. When he is revealed, we shall be like him. When he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We shall see Jesus as he is. So we shall be like him. And this tells us the goal of all spiritual growth. When we see Jesus, we shall be like him. We know that when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. Therefore, every spiritual growth must be in the direction of becoming more and more like Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul says, My little children, in whom I travail, till Christ be formed in you. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says the main reason the Holy Spirit has been sent to live in us is to change us, transform us, conform us to the very image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. Second Corinthians 3.18 But we all, if unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, it is very clear in the minds of the people who wrote the Bible that God's greatest desire for us is that we should be like Jesus. So, in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, verse 3, verse 4, the Bible says we were crucified with Jesus. We died with Jesus. We were buried with Jesus in baptism. And we were raised with Jesus to newness of life. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. We were crucified with Jesus. That the body of sin might be done away with. Yes. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Correct. And verse 3 and verse 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So Galatians 3.27 says, As many as have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ as a dress. You are clothed with Christ. Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Now, when we come to Ephesians, the story is no different. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but by the grace of God, God has made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up together with Christ. He made us to sit together with Christ in the heavenly places. Even through five and six. Yes. Even when you were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Yes. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. Yes. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Please, look at what is happening. We were crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ in baptism. We have been made alive together with Christ. We have been raised together with Christ. We are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. You cannot, as a Christian, aspire to be like any other person in the Bible apart from Jesus because heaven has put the machine for becoming like Jesus inside your spirit. Therefore, to become like Jesus is the normal pattern for a growing Christian. Now, if that doesn't convince you, then let's read three more verses. In Galatians 2.20, the Bible says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Yes. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life... Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is in you. But I want us to read John 14.20 where Jesus himself says, in that day you will know that I am in the Father. You are in me and I am in you. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me, and I in you. John 14, 20. I am just trying to prove to you that when we talk about spiritual growth, it is not becoming like any other person of the 3,000 names in the Bible. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, 
you name them, Samson and uh, Joseph, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Paul, Peter. No, 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 no. It is not Paul who lives in you. It's not Peter who lives in you. It's not Daniel who lives in you. It's not Abraham who lives in you. It's Christ who lives in you. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. So, because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we were crucified with Christ, we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ in baptism, we were made alive with Christ, Christ is in us. We have been raised together with Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Uh, Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, you are dead. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you appear together with him. The Bible is too clear that Jesus is the goal of heaven for every Christian. Once you are born again, God desires, demands, commands, expects you to become more and more like Jesus. If that doesn't satisfy you, then we need to look at a lot more Bible verses. I don't know how this version puts it, but Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that we should look away from every other person in Hebrews chapter 11 and fix our eyes on Jesus. This is NKV. Can you give us uh, any other version? NIV. Good. Excellent. This one. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Did you hear that? Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus. How can you fix your eyes upon Jesus and become like the Blessed Virgin Mary? You see? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of, of God. What about the same Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1? Hebrews 3 verse 1. says, let us fix. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling. Yes. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. The apostle and high priest whom we confess. You see, chapter 12 verse 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. But chapter 3 verse 1 says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. The apostle and high priest of our calling. My point here is that we come to church, but our attention is in the wrong place. We are surprised we are not growing spiritually. It's because we are not fixing our thoughts, our eyes, 
our heart, our energy, our strength, our passion, everything must be fixed on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Because spiritual growth is to become more and more like Jesus. Now, having said that, my job is now to argue with you and convince you why spiritual growth is important. A lot of church members and Christians feel that, well, once I go to church, I do my work, I'm okay in the office, I'm receiving my promotions, and, uh, you know, I'm climbing up my professional ladder. It's okay. Why these pastors, they are troubling us too much. Why, why do they... Why are they saying we should grow spiritually? I, I mean, I don't see what is their point. This evening, I want to spend a big chunk of my time persuading you about the importance of spiritual growth. The first argument why every Christian must deliberately, intentionally, purposefully plan your spiritual growth is because Jesus grew. You want to be like Jesus? Jesus grew. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, the Bible says the child Jesus grew. Luke 2, 40. Yes. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. The child grew. But not only that. Even after Jesus went into the temple. And surprised and amazed. The Bible teaches with his understanding and answers. You would think God would launch him into ministry from age 12. Because he was going to die at 33. No. Heaven did no such thing. For 18 years. Between the age of 12 and 30, we don't hear anything about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they don't tell us anything about the first 30 years of Jesus. The only thing we are told is Luke 2, 52. Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with men. Luke 2.52 Yes. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus, he grew in wisdom. You need to understand that Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 uh, verse 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. But here the scripture says Jesus grew in wisdom. Yes. And in favor. He grew in wisdom and stature. And in favor with, in favor God, with God 
and men. And men. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, is that is that not interesting? Because when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, heaven opened and the spirit of God descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus was in ministry, before he did his first miracle, God was pleased with Jesus. Jesus grew. Now, what makes you think if you don't grow, you can ever become like Jesus? Growth is a process. Nobody has a child then immediately the child grows. No. And, and that brings me to the second argument I have. You know, I have five children. I have five grandchildren. When I meet my grandchildren, I just tickle them, hold their cheek, and then, you know, crack jokes with them. I never discuss any serious issues with my grandchildren. Because my eldest grandchild is about seven now. That's it. They are just children. But I talk with their parents. Who are my children? We talk serious matters. As long as you are a baby Christian, God can never discuss anything serious with you. Why should he? You wouldn't understand him. You would, he will be speaking into the air. Because your spiritual growth cannot appreciate what he is talking about. Those of you who are mothers can understand me better. You see, you love your baby. But as long as she, the child is breastfeeding, if your husband is troubling you, do you discuss it with the baby? Eh? Do you discuss that with the baby? Are you correct? When they say you are going mad. It's your own baby. It's your child. You are a child of God. But God can never talk with you about any serious matter until they bury you. Because you are not growing spiritually. What should he discuss with you? Therefore, spiritual growth increases intimacy with God. It increases fellowship with God. Heaven is able to discuss national, international, continental, intercontinental, global issues with you. Because you can appreciate them as you grow spiritually. So James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that brings me to the third argument for spiritual growth. Children necessarily don't know the difference between good and evil. They cannot distinguish between a snake and a rubber ball. All of them are just brightly colored things. So a child will crawl towards a snake 
because it wants to touch it. And, and when you, the parent, you can say, Avi! Why? Because Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39 says that. Children, they don't know the difference between good and evil. Deuteronomy 1, 39. And the little ones that you said will be taken captive. Your children who do not yet know good from bad. Children don't know yet good from bad. Children, they don't know the difference between fire, between knife, between poison. They are children. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 to 16. He says that, behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a child. And before the child is old enough to know the difference between good and bad, these two kings who are warring, they will, they will be finished. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat carrots and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. He knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Therefore, as long as you are not growing spiritually, you cannot differentiate between spiritual snakes and spiritual rubber balls. You, you can't tell between poison and honey. You don't know the difference spiritually because you, you, are, you don't have the spiritual faculties for detecting those things. This is why Ephesians 4, 14 says, you are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Children, Ephesians 4.14 Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So today, somebody comes and says, look, the best way to be spiritual is to wake up 12 midnight and be naked and pour water on the floor and turn around three times and light yellow candle, white candle, and then you go and do it. Then the next time tells you that, hey, you must pour an anointing oil into your food before you cook it. Pour anointing oil into water before you bath. Pour it into uh, anointing oil. Yes. And then you say, hey. Then you, are, you go and buy a gallon of anointing oil. And then you are you know, last time I saw uh, one of these YouTube videos of a breast-sucking church. Breast-sucking church. And they, they were, the thing had become viral, so somebody sent it to my, my, my WhatsApp. A church formed where women go and the pastor sucks their breasts. I think I have it somewhere on my phone. And they were interviewing the pastor on the national radio. But the, girl, the interviewer pretended that she was doing it personally. Not knowing it was going over the national radio. And she was asking, 
Why do you have a church for just sucking women's breasts? And he said, well, he has seen that most problems which women have is in their breasts. And that, you know, when he sucks their breasts, they feel better. And, and women were going to that church. You see, children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So today, it is this prophet. The next day, it is that man of God. The next day, why? Because you, you really are not sure about anything. And that is the price you pay if you are not growing spiritually. Because you, you can't identify good from evil, right from wrong. Number four. As long as you remain a spiritual being, there are many things in God's house, God's storehouse, spiritually, you can never use them. God will not allow you to have access to them. Just like most mothers, even if you have a golden trinket, you don't put them on your daughter when she's going to school at age five. Do you do that? How many fathers give their computer or iPad to a son who is six years old to go and be playing with when he is going to school? The reason is when that girl takes your golden trinket or golden bracelet to school, she won't come back with it. Or when you give that expensive mobile phone to your son, who is two years old, he will put it in water or smash it. Therefore, you don't allow him to touch it. In the same way, there are many spiritual computers, iPads, mobile phones, and things in the house of God that though you are God's child, he will never allow you to touch it. You will spoil it. You will waste it. You will destroy it. They are yours. But you must grow before he will allow you to use them. That's Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says that the heir, as long as he is a child, is put under tutors. And there is no difference between himself and a servant or a slave. As long as he is a child. Yes. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, it's no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate. He is no different from a slave. He's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. This is very true. You see, there are things even I mean you the examples are too many. That you as a parent, you know that if you allow your young child to tamper with these things, he will destroy them before he's old enough to handle them and use them properly. Therefore, you keep them hidden from him. You don't even allow him to touch them. Hey, what are you doing? Is that a knife? 
Get it from him. Where are you going with the matches? Bring it back. Eh? You? Kweku? Did I not tell you not to touch that computer? They are things he is going to inherit. They are his. But as long as he's not growing spirit, grown, he's not allowed to use them. And spiritually, when you don't grow, you are not punishing your pastor. You know, some church members think that way. They think that I punished him by refusing to grow spiritually. I refuse to read my Bible. I refuse to pray. Yes, so that the pastor will suffer. Oh, yeah. So, that is the fourth big reason. The reason number five. As long as you are not growing spiritually, you cannot help other people who are suffering. Immediately you begin to grow, you can now help others. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 12, he says that, look, because you have become dull of hearing, you have need for somebody to give you again the elementary principles of God's word. And instead of being teachers, you still need to be taught. Yes. Hebrews 5, 11 to 12. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Do you see? How can you help? Even mothers, if you have a daughter who is say 15, 16 years old, and you have a new baby who is one year, when you are going anywhere, the 15 year old daughter helps you with the younger sister. Because she is grown. Therefore, she can bath the child for you. She can dress the child for you. And she can prepare uh, the food for the daddy and help. But if two of your children, one is six months, the other one is one year, or one and a half years, and you are going somewhere, can the one and a half year who help the six, six months, or can, can, can she help? No, she also needs to help, to be helped. We have filled the church with a lot of babies. So, the few tired pastors have to minister to everybody. Instead of the big brothers taking their younger brothers to help them. Oh, is this what you need? Oh, I used to have that problem, but uh, somebody help me. Okay, come, let me help you. I'll pray for you. Yes, this is how we do it. Hey, why? Is this your problem? Oh, don't worry. Come, I'll help you. We don't get that. Everybody comes to sit in church, sit in the pew. When we close, they greet one another and go home. And everybody is queuing at the pastor's office. So, lack of spiritual growth makes it such that you cannot help other people. But as you grow, you too begin to help others. Because you have received and therefore you give. And you find out that, oh, you know, there are people who even appreciate a fellow church member's help more than the pastor's help. There are issues you might not want to discuss with your pastor. 
but your fellow man can hear it. I'm struggling with uh, pornography or with masturbation. I don't want to tell my pastor. But if there is a fellow older Christian who is spiritual and can help me, I would rather share that with him. And the pastor doesn't even hear. And we sort it out among ourselves. I want to weep. I need a man to weep on his shoulders. And uh, I, I can't get the pastor's shoulders. He's busy. But there is a man close enough who will tell me, oh, don't worry. This is how I also face this problem with my wife and children. But this is how I came out of it. Look, you do it this way. Do it. Don't weep. Do it this way. You see, Benny Benzu, do, 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 do it this way. Do it this way. Let's, let's go. Come on. You are a man now. So, the more people grow spiritually in the church, the more they help each other, the more they help younger Christians, the more they, they, they are able to let their pastors rest. I love uh, John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. John it, chapter 4, 1 and 2. He says that, Okay. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Yes. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. It wasn't Jesus who was baptizing. His disciples. His disciples were baptizing. Jesus didn't need to get into the water to be baptized. His disciples were there. They were baptizing. And after some time, he called the twelve, gave them power, sent them two by two, preach, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And they went. And they preached. And it was not only Jesus who was doing the work. And then he called the 72 and sent them two by two in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. And they came back in verse 17 and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Hooray! What do we have now? The average church member has been trained to sit in church. That's the training we are giving the church members. So, a good church member is somebody who comes to church faithfully every Sunday. That's a good church member. What he is doing after church, nobody cares to know. Number six, leadership. Church leadership requires spiritual growth. According to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, enlisting the qualifications to be an overseer, an elder in the church, he said that he should not be a novice, a new convert. He must not be a recent convert. He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become conceited and f- fall under the same judgment as the devil. 
And even the deacons, he said that they should be tested before giving office. Is it verse 10? They must first be tested. Yes. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. You see, the point is, it is not enough to know the Bible, Bible verses. It's not even enough to obey the Bible verses when you are comfortable. You need to be tested in times when there is pressure. It's then that we can see whether you are mature. Uh, I give this example. that A lot of people feel they are not thieves. But, and whenever they hear that an accountant or a, a bezer has been bezel money, say, hey, 300,000 Ghana cities, yeah! It's because nobody has made you minister of finance of Ghana. So that there's so much money with no account at your disposal. It's then that you know whether you are a thief or you are not a thief. Because at that time, there's pressure to pay your rent, to pay school fees, to your car, your this, your that. If you don't start borrowing Ghana's money, then you know that you are not a thief. It's the same. A girl who has attended girl's school all your life. If you are a virgin, you are a virgin by accident. You see, if you get among some Osu boys, Blogodo Gardens boys, and they chase you two, three times, and run all over you, and you still are a virgin, it's then that it is a tested virginity. So the Bible is saying, people should be tested in the church before given office. Otherwise, you go into parliament before you know what you are accepting bribes. Before you know what ladies have flawed you. Before you know what contractors have given you envelopes and you are you have broken your two teeth. You see? Because your 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 integrity wasn't a tested integrity. Are you with me? If church members refuse to grow. We shall not have good leaders in the church and good leaders for the nation because the church is supposed to provide the country with men and women of iron integrity. People who can be trusted. Oh, is this guy the minister of finance? Oh, then let's go and sleep. Our money is safe because that guy will not touch a city of this country. Who should, do you think Muslims should present such people to the country? It's the church of God. We are the pillar and the ground of truth in the whole universe. If Jesus cannot change people, Muhammad cannot. Therefore, growth is important for Christian leadership. Then, comes number seven. We need spiritual growth 
in order to live victorious Christian life. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, the scripture says that, I write to you fathers, I write to you children, I write to you young men, you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. A victorious Christian life is lived by somebody who is growing spiritually. Then you become stable and Satan looks at your face, you look at his face, he sees you and he says, okay, I'm coming. It is just like when we were children. You are eating. You see the fowls, the dogs, the cats, they all come and they are eating from the same plate with you. Mama! Mama! Cats! Mama! Dogs! Mama! 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 Why? Because you are a child. When you grow, you are the same person. When they give you a plate of food in that same house, those dogs and cats and, and uh, you know, fowls, they are there. But they don't come near your plate. In the same way, Satan, there are some small, small demons whose job is to annoy you in life. To, when they give, God gives you food, to mess you up. When, you see, and that's their joy. So, You rush to the pastor. You are dying. You are dying. Because one of those small, small demons has just come to play football on your back. But as you grow spiritually, those same demons are around. But they don't come to do their thing close to you. Because spiritual growth has happened. You are strong. You are living a victorious Christian life. And there are certain things you now take in your stride. Decisions you take and you know you are correct. And when Satan tries to to, to destabilize you, you look at him in the face. Jesus, when he met Satan, he said, it is written. And Satan said, it is written. Jump. And Jesus said, it is written again. Then Satan took him, showed the kingdoms of the earth and said, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all. Jesus said, it is written. Get thee behind me. You shall worship the Lord your God. Him only. Then Satan said, oh, this, uh, it is written, it is written, boy. Oh, and he left. This is Satan himself. He took on the job. He didn't allow any demon to do it because it was life and death matter. So, victorious Christian living. Then number eight, fruitful living. Fruitful living. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. That your fruit should abide or remain. 15, 7, 8, he says, In this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove that you are my disciples. 
15.2. He said, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts it off. And the branch which bears fruit, he prunes so that it will bear more fruit. You and I know that no mango tree or orange tree, when it is just three months, bears fruit. One year. We haven't got that agric technology as yet. Three years, four years, five years before you see the uh, mango tree, orange tree beginning to bear fruit. A non-growing Christian can never give God fruit. How do you get it? Just like a girl who is three years old cannot become pregnant. You are a girl. It's It's not that you are not a girl. You are a girl. But how can you become pregnant? It's the same. Refusing to grow means a decision that God, I won't give you any fruit. And the, 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 what troubles me is that people keep on in the church just like that until they bury you. Until they bury you. Okay? And then number nine. Number nine, the main reason God sent you to this earth, God's call upon your life, can only be fulfilled when you grow spiritually. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1, 5. John chapter 1 verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness to the light. The true light which lights every man was coming into the world. In Galatians 1.15, Paul says, God who chose me from my mother's womb. You see, Before you came into this world, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Romans 11.29. He says, The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So, There is a specific job on this earth which only you can do for God. You ask me why? I think it makes a lot of sense. So, Moses, his main job was to bring Israel out of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. This is why God sent him. So 40 years he was training in Pharaoh's house. 40 years he was training in the wilderness. 80 before God called him at the burning bush. This is your assignment. This is why I've been preparing you. Without growing spiritually, you can never arrive at the main reason God sent you into this world. You can't do it for him. Jesus said in John 17 verse 4, Father, I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Paul said it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Simeon in Luke chapter 2 from verse 26. The Bible says God told him that he wouldn't die until he sees the Lord's Christ. So the day he took Jesus in his arms, he says, Lord, let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen the salvation you have prepared for your people Israel. There is a reason why God sent you to this earth. There is a call upon your life. There is a purpose for which you have been sent. Only you can do that for God. And if you don't grow spiritually, you can never fulfill that call and say, I have finished. By the time they are burying you, you put two of your feet into the grave and you are still saying, Oh God, I'm not finished yet. What account am I going to give now? What account are you going to give? Are you going to tell God about how you worked in the office? Is that why he sent you? Eh? Then what's the difference between you and a Jujuman or a Buddhist or a Muslim? They also worked in the office. They also taught mathematics at that school. Are you worth buying by, with the blood of Jesus? Then you must show something. You can't just be bought by a blood of Jesus and come and sit in church and die and they give you a fitting burial. And even at your burial, you get more money from the church than you, all your collections you gave. Oh, yes. It was in the church that you knew those people who came to your funeral. Otherwise, they would never come. And the collection the church gives, the bus they send, and all the expenses of all the people who came to your funeral, you owe, the, or you owe God at your burial. You calculate how much money have you given the church so that at your burial, so much will be pumped into you. You took some at your wedding and now you've taken the rest. So you can see that a lot of us, we are liabilities to God. Because from the day he saved you, he has to be making expenses on you uh, until you die. And the main reason he called you to, you haven't achieved that. The tenth and the last one is that growth, spiritual growth, is normal and commanded. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, Grow in grace. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Yes. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is not a suggestion. It's a command. Grow. Grow. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's normal because which parent you have a child. The first year nappies feeding bottom. He is five years old. Nappies, feeding bottle. He's ten years old. Nappies, feeding bottle. He's twenty years old. Nappies, feeding bottle. Mama. Mama, where's my feeding bottle? He's thirty. We've thirty-two teeth. But feeding bottle. 
How do you feel when visitors come? If we should take a spiritual photograph of you right now, will you be found in feeding bottle and in baby's nappies? Pampers. This is why everybody must grow spiritually. Once you come to Jesus, you need to make the effort to grow. It must be intentional. It must be focused. You must position yourself and and put everything aside in order to grow spiritually. At the end of the day, it is more important to grow spiritually than to be promoted at your workplace. Because it is your spiritual growth that carries your physical prosperity and promotion. Look at, look at Job. He had so much property, so many children. One day, Satan killed all the children, destroyed all the property because the spiritual realm is stronger than the physical realm. If you are not strong enough to hold the things, a spirit comes and messes you up. In one day, in one day, in one day, just that. But if you are spiritually strong, when the evil spirit comes, and you are able to look at it in the face, you get out. So, Gehazi made that mistake. When Elisha was following Elijah, he got double portion of Elijah's oil, anointing. So, Elijah's last miracle was to divide the Jordan. That was Elisha's first miracle. But Gehazi, who was understanding Elisha, was more interested in property, money. So when Naaman the leper came and he was cleansed, he went after the money. He got the gold, got the clothing, the suit. But he didn't have spiritual power. So Elisha turned on him and said, the leprosy of Naaman, take it. You have taken Naaman's gold and said, take it now. And when the leprosy came, he didn't have spiritual power to stop it. You have the gold, the silver. You have the leprosy too. I want to appeal to you, brothers and sisters listening to me, that this 2020 should be a year of your spiritual growth. God bless you in Jesus' name. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.